What's up guys, it's the Audio Rambling Podcast and this is a slightly special edition because we have just been to the UK Guitar Show and we're sat outside on a bench in a park just outside Olympia. So we've literally just finished up the guitar show and I've got Mark sat next to me on a park bench. Hello! <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've been off for a little while. Uh, I've been... Uh, off to the other end of the country, which has been off to the other end of the world. But yep. now we're back, uh, focused on audio and specific. Yeah, we've been looking at loads of cool guitar stuff. Yeah, um, we've basically come straight from from that. Um, have restrained ourselves from talking about it too much, so that we can can share our deep and valuable thoughts with you, our podcasting community. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. So my thoughts are basically, yeah, there were lots of guitars. So <laughs> yep, that's that. right. Podcast over. <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Uh, see you next time. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's, it has been it has been a while because we've both been um, we've both been away. Um, so you know, uh, this is the first time we've kind of hung out since since then. Um, so we thought we'd just get back into it with a bang. Um, and this is pretty much going to be focused on what we've seen today. Yeah. You yeah, know, there, there has been a lot of news going on. There's been stuff being released and stuff. Um, but I'm sure you guys have been following it. Um, and we'll get back into our, I guess, normal kind of routine yep. at the next one but this one is if anything about... Vish does can be described as normal yeah exactly so um, <laughs> yeah I mean like overall vibe of the show it was nice it was like a a good crowd um, like when we were going went to a few shows as our as, as teens I, there was like a slightly different attitude there and the big thing I noticed was how little shredding I heard yeah like when when we went to the guitar shows way back when like it, like on every corner there was somebody testing out gear and they had to prove how good they were by and and there was a little bit of that but but like actually it seemed like a really nice broad crowd of guitarists of all different yeah um, it, styles no it, it was and because it was it was in Olympia so I mean each stand isn't massive so it's literally like uh, and one or two people at a time trying out guitars so. You haven't got like 15 people plugged into a row of amps and then, you know, all uh, um So maybe because of that, we it was, you know, you didn't have multiple just shredders per stand, yeah. which was nice, which was good. I did hear, um, you know, a couple of people, maybe it was the same person I just ended up hearing, you know, trying to play Sweet Child of Mine. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of times it's like, and uh, my thoughts on that, are, that should now be just banned like um stairway to heaven is you yeah know, just yeah. just put a ban on it you know, it, it, we don't we don't need to hear it. if you want to play it at home cool but we don't need to hear <laughs> no 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 um but overall yeah it was it was cool it's um it's it's you know as far as other as like conventions go and stuff it's 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 small but it's it's good um it had a good range of stuff you know it's it's nowhere near the size of a nam no, um, I mean, but it's, it's more focused than that yeah. as well so it's, it was on um, well, two floors, but really like one yeah. and a half floors tops. Um, so there was there was like the the vintage floor, which was actually it was more like a sort of museum than a convention. Yeah, they had some like guitars on the wall, especially on that floor. Yeah, that that was yeah. that was a museum. Yeah. So that that, that vintage bit was like some. Like, it was nice, just like, but it, it was like a twenty minute look around at some, you know, historical guitars, um, historical and people, amps, including and some like proper like bonkers like the first orange digital amp which where they were in the era where they were really proud of how digital it was so it looked like um something from like the cosmonaut russian space program and just like and it was that so that was quite fun um but yeah the vintage floor wasn't much 
no. discuss. I, 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 I mean, it, it, you got to see some cool like old guitars and stuff, and you know, oh, and in fact, we, some memorabilia, including a Fender ashtray, <laughs> which is something they probably wouldn't release these days. No, probably not. I don't, I'm guessing the guys at Fender now don't really want to be associated with the whole smoking no. thing. You know, they're trying to promote maybe a more well. House, I don't know, but yeah, obviously back then in the 60s and stuff, it was it was all quite cool to smoke, and you know a lot of people did. But yeah, it was cool. You, you we saw some funky stuff, and it's good. It was kind of cool to see how stuff is over the years. It, you know, uh, not really too much. My uh, some people are really into the like memorabilia mm. stuff, and like you know into that period of the 60s and 70s. Uh, me, not so much. You know, but yeah. it was cool to see. But the so yeah, the vintage stuff was was a nice little addition but really we were there for the modern stuff and I think that that was great like, there was loads I mean um, sort of in terms of like the big brands uh, Fender were there I mean it, obviously they've got a, a huge range so there was only a, a, a fraction they had one of the biggest stands as Fender always do yeah. like these kind of music um, things you know um, because they have a lot um, that they can show yeah. and a lot that people want to try so yeah, but they had a good good range of like guitars and basses, yeah, and custom yeah. shop stuff. Uh, Marshall had a few bits and pieces. Yep. Uh, Vox had a lot crammed into a small space actually. They didn't. Yeah. It was a you know about the same sort of size as Marshall, but they had about twice as many amps crammed in. <laughs> um, uh, and then there was um, which uh, obviously no Gibson. No, no, um, Gi- no Gibson. Obviously, which to be honest doesn't actually surprise no. me because if they weren't at Nam. Why would they turn up to no. the London Guitar Show, which is, you know, probably a quarter of the size of that, maybe even like less than that. So, you know, it, it just, it, you, I wouldn't expect them to, to be here. Uh, PRS had a had a big stand, a healthy they had stand. a lot crammed um, in there, and it was it was it was it was always busy around there. I, I apparently zeroed in on the most expensive guitar there. I'm um, not surprised. Just sort of like <laughs> just looking at this array of gorgeous guitars, and the most gorgeous one was a sort of like. Uh, walnut finish it had F holes the the fingerboard was um, something with Z it wasn't like a rosewood or maple or one of the woods that I was familiar with it was a, a different one um, yeah so it was a PRS uh, custom 22SH and yeah they are, you know all the PRS customs are are nice but um, that one with the um, F holes and kind of like that wood kind of finish oh man it looked it looked really really good it was it was nice yeah. I, I have a weakness anyway for pretty much any PRS guitar so uh, yeah I'm not you know it, it was fantastic yeah I mean they're one of the most consistently beautiful guitar manufacturers certainly in the, in the sort of big name recognition ones yeah um, so yeah and like, uh, you know there's was, there was, there was plenty all the big names were there yeah uh, not all the big names uh, <laughs> some of the big names some of the big names and yeah. then a lot of like independent and small names which and was and that cool was really see. where the, the coolest coolest stuff was it's yeah sort of like PRS Marshall Orange you can find them in any guitar shop yeah. uh, with a decent stock but the some of the stuff that we were seeing there I'd never seen before or yeah. had like maybe seen online and never really got a chance to try out so um, yeah they, uh, and there, there, there was there were a lot of like cool sm- small boutique kind of independent outfits that you know literally kind of build stuff on an order by order basis don't ne- just sell directly from like their websites and stuff yeah a few of them like seem to like sell mainly from these shows that they're, yeah. they're sort of that's how they like drum up business that's how they, they sell yeah their shit yeah, yeah. Um, and they were they were you know and they, they, come, they come up with some really interesting guitars as well and some, yeah. some of which which we did try um, 
<clears throat> I know one of the first ones we saw as we as we walked around was like uh, Stonewall guitars who had this kind of like they had like a couple of like headless guitars um, and they had really really um, kind of crazy finishes on their guitars because um, it's kind of I don't even know it, it, they they make it out out of I don't know which wood and they yeah, there seemed to be like of combinations of wood, didn't they? And like yeah. stained in different colours and yep. very very cool. And I think we, we both sort of commented that we've. It took us a while, but we've both finally come around to headless guitars. Yeah. After finding them really off-putting for many years, I don't know whether they've, like, tweaked the body shapes to match it, or whether I've just personally seen them often enough now that I can, I can kind of dig it. I yeah, and I think for me personally, uh, especially with the headless guitars, um, I'm seeing a lot more people on my <coughs> social media who play them, and um, people that I actually listen to. Um, so there's there's that aspect to it. Um, I think it's got something to do with they've developed over the years as well, and you're right about that. Um, so yeah, um, mm. uh, you know, and um, like there's, there's yeah, I think it looks more wrong on classic body shapes. Yeah, when you've got like your um, your Strat or your Les Paul shape with no head, it just looks wrong. <laughs> but some of the more modern designs, yeah, angular designs, yeah, it sort of works. Yeah, and um, was it stone. Yeah, so it was it was Stone Wolf. Guitars. Stone Wolf, yeah. So so they were there, and then what? One of the ones that I think we we probably sp- spent a fair amount of time on there, and we both tried out. Uh, I tried a bass out there, and you tried out a guitar there. Was SBC guitars? And yeah. The, this is like a really really small outfit. I think there's like one guy who's decided to start making guitars. Um, and if you get a chance, go on the SBC website because we can yeah. describe SBCGuitars.co.uk. Exactly. And I... they they were. Uh, phenomenal looking guitars all like kind of natural wood finish both their guitars and their basses but the body shapes were really like asymmetrical angular and they looked really kind of cool and crazy and they worked yeah no th- that SPC was definitely um, like the, my biggest object of lust at the show but there was loads of stuff that I was like yeah I'd have that but that was the one where it's just like, oh, if only had a spare few thousand pounds. Yeah, I think the one, the one that you were playing was, uh, what it, it normally costs so, in that three thousand yeah. five hundred pounds. So their their prices, they only do custom stuff. Prices start at one thousand five hundred. Yep. Um, and the one that I was sort of playing was, um, which was like a thin line semi hollow. They're all through neck. Yeah. Um, and it had like lace pickups. Which yeah would would retail or if you like ordered it for about three thousand four hundred something like that. Hmm. Um, serious guitar. Serious guitar, but no, like they managed to sort of be both sort of like hefty looking and kind of dinky and cute at the same time. It was it's a, a weird compromise, but yeah, no, gorgeous and lovely to play. Sounded great. Yeah, um, I, I I tried out the the bass guitar and this was. Um, the model that I tried is the first bass guitar that um, the guy who's started mm. up SBC uh, has ever come up with. So I think they've only got two models at the moment. And again, it it sat it, the the fretboard felt really nice, um, you know, and it felt really quick and quite compact because it was a smaller sc- scale length um, than what I'm used to on my Dingwall. Obviously, with it being a fan fret, um, <clears throat> and uh, I mean, it, obviously, with at, at these. It, uh, from what I could hear, because you know you're battling about against like God knows how many other guitars the whole time, um, it, it it sounded it sounded it sounded quite good. One of the things um, I was talking to one of the reps there from SBC uh, was 
I think that that shape that they have for the bass guitar, and go and check it out on the website if you can, um, would look absolutely amazing, and it would be perfect in a five-string. It's just crying out to be a five-string model, and he agreed with me. He's like, they're looking into it. Yeah. But when I saw it, and w like after I'd played it, and the four-string was lovely, and you know, I play four strings. I don't. I used to have a five-string, but not anymore. But it just looked like it was crying out to be a, that in a five string would look amazing so yeah it would actually yeah, yeah. SBC you know um, it, and they had this tiny little kind of like area and they were like kind of like literally opposite PRS um, but they yeah, got a lot the of attention they, they, were, they were right next to PRS and we'd sort of gone around that side to go and ogle the PRS guitars and we were both just drawn away from this massive row of PRS guitars this tiny stand because they would yeah best looking guitars of the show lovely to play if somebody wants to give me a few thousand pounds to buy a guitar, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll write you a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, they—they're they're probably like one of the, one of the big big standouts there. So yeah, yeah definitely check them out. So yeah, they, they were great. Um, what else? Did we see? Oh, in terms of other guitars, so uh, a company called PJD Guitars. Yeah. Um, and they like there was the big stand saying like hybrid guitars. It was like hybrid of what? It just looks like a guitar. But it, the um, rather than like the, the the front of it being a wooden top that was like a, a maple or whatever top that had been painted, it actually had acrylic top. So the the body of the guitar was made out of wood, but the the top bit was was plastic. Yeah, um, like basically, yeah. So so where obviously, I I guess it's almost like it's not a faceplate, but yeah, it's it's no, almost it's, like that. Yeah just that bit of the you know the main body of the guitar it's, it's got the wood but then it's the, got the that cap yeah kind yeah. of like just an acrylic top so yeah uh, so i tried a couple of them uh one which was a very sort of sleek looking uh single pickup model um in black um and it was it was too bright for me i mean i i like a, a nice trebly guitar sound but like i i had the um tone knob rolled all the way off and I was still thinking of reaching over to the amp. It was like <laughs> too jangly. Not no, not even jangly. Just like cutting. Okay. It was it was just sort of like it'd be great for like a band practice if you've when you <laughs> you've, yeah, when you're, when you're in through. that sort of like tiny space and you need to cut through. But it was in it was too much for me. Uh, they did also have another one which had a white top, and, and they offer like a whole selection of, of all the colours that you can get in acrylic. So, like, I mean, if I were them, I would have put a less conventional colours there because sort of like white and black are sort of easy colors to, but yeah it um, looked i have to say like because obviously uh you tried out the black one with the single pickup was yeah it, what was it a single humbucker in single there? humbucker yeah single humbucker and then you tried out what looked <clears throat> what was pretty much the their answer to like a super strat in yeah. the shape and it was it just was all white i really liked that i thought it looked really good it also sounded i think yeah and i liked the sound of that one a lot more it had a, a pair of p90s so you had a bit more of that tonal variety and yes i mean it's still like definitely towards the the trebler end so i think like whatever their construction does definitely give it that bite but having uh the the p90s and the pickup selector just sort of made it a lot more versatile and that was cool. Yeah, that um, that, that was. That so yeah, that was that was a fun one to play. Um, yeah. Uh, not not anywhere near as much sort of like lusting over, but no, it was nice. It was cool. And what well, one uh, the place that we first hit up as well, not 
yeah, it was pretty much the first place that we ended up spending any amount of time. Uh, the first store was um, actually Game Changer Audio. Ah, uh, yeah, moving away from guitars now <laughs> uh, to effects. We might come back to the guitars, but yeah. Um, holy shit. But yeah, because we spent, we that was another one that, that we actually spent a fair amount of time in. And um, I think we've spoken about Game Changer. Yeah, we have spoken about we Game have, Changer Audio. I think it might have even been on the very first podcast. Um, Quite possibly. About, they're basically, if you don't remember or if you haven't heard the first episode, basically they do a pedal, it's called like the plasma pedal. Am I right? I can't even remember the name off the top uh, of my head. It's, it's called the plasma pedal. Yeah, yeah. the plasma. A high voltage distortion unit. Yeah. So it yeah. Pro- provides a ridiculous amount of fuzz and uh, kind of so, distortion. Yeah, like like with a name like Game Changer, they're, they're kind of putting a lot on themselves yeah like you know it's it's not it's not just about sounding good you have to be doing something different and the, the plasma pedal rather than using uh, a, a diode or an led or even a, a valve to get the distortion has a, a plasma tube and converts the audio signal into uh, plasma and it's it's visible in the, the case and you can see these sparks sort of shooting across that clearly like correspond to whatever you're playing and it looks the coolest, um, so I was like quite eager to try it, and it sounds the gnarliest. It's I, I I tried it out on the bass guitar. Mm, I didn't um, hear you on the bass because you were headphones. But um, it sounds way it sounds way better on the guitar. Right. I don't think it's it's I don't think it's designed for the bass, or at least I think the combination of the amp they were trying to crank it through, it was just sounding mm-hmm. a little bit too. Um, and maybe that that's just me. I, mean, I know some people really really love their fuzz bass, and I'm not. I don't gravitate to it as much, but I think it was almost a bit too much because sometimes it was just breaking up the signal and it was kind of like, I, and I could see the effect it was going for, but I think it's almost too much for the bass. I mean, it's got a really interesting thing where the way the sort of voltage chokes and so when notes fade out, yeah, with um, a lot of sort of distortion pedals and everything, as it fades out, it sort of cleans up a bit. With this, as it fades out, it just gates. Yeah. And this is, this is part of what it gives it that sort of really gnarly texture that just the, the sound just sort of sputters out and it's um it's it's cool um the, the actually the, the handiest thing and this is something that i saw on a few pedals around the show was that it had a blend knob mm. um and it's one of those things where sometimes you want that sort of thick gnarly distortion but you also want some of the clarity of the, your clean tone so the fact that it had that was really handy and um Flatly pedals had a few fuzzes that had the same feature as well, which I've seen loads on bass pedals, but not nearly enough on guitar pedals. So that was a nice thing to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, um, and so yeah, I, sorry, um, and they've also got that plasma pedal now in a rack-mounted unit, that was which, sexy. which looks quite cool because you could imagine there in your, you know, if you if you do have like a rack-mounted unit for your guitars and for your amps and like you know. And then you've got this thing, and it's just like when you're playing and the lights are dimmed, and you just got this little like kind of you know burst of like with the electricity and everything, and just you can see it. It, it, it would it makes quite the sight. So, so that was cool. But that I mean that wasn't the thing you were really enamoured yeah, with there. That's the thing. Like, game that was that was um, cool, and I like the sound. But it's I probably it wouldn't be that much use to me. Yeah, you know. Like I, th- I feel like Jack White should definitely get one, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm not that bothered. What I was that bothered about uh, the pedal they actually released the year before that is called the Sustain. Okay. Um, and it looks 
more like uh, the pedals that you get on a piano. So yeah. the, the piano obviously has got like the mute pedal, but it's also got a sustain pedal. And when you hold it down, the, the note sustains. So it's sort of that concept, but for guitar. And it sort of loops a tiny fragment of your audio so that the note just keeps going. And it's great. You can just sort of like um, play a chord, hold down this pedal, and it will just sort of keep going. And you can sort of um, embellish it. And it was just so fun to play. And it was... Um, the guy actually sort of commented that I, I sort of latched onto it pretty quickly because it, it does feel like the sort of thing that I could... See, it feels like the sort of thing that I would have a lot of fun with, but I'm not sure how many songs I could yeah. use it on. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could waste hours on it. I'm not sure <laughs> how much I could actually get useful stuff out. But, no, it was it was super fun. Yeah. And, like, he also showed that you could layer up multiple layers. So he was creating these sort of, like, organ-like... Yeah, tones. it was very, very organ, synthy, yeah. kind of warm, kind of big sounds, um, which is why I think you gravitated towards it and were able to utilise it so well when you were just messing around with it. It, it. it sounded really cool when you were, like, you know, jamming on it. So, yeah, it definitely... And it had that really big, warm sound to it. Yeah, no, I um, I liked that a lot. Um, I think, yeah, no, that, out of the the stuff we saw there as I say the um, thing of me see SBC guitars was the one that I most like super lust over but the one that is most sort of like calling at my wallet and saying oh go on it's only a couple of hundred pounds is, is that sustain pedal yeah um, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you were like this is tempting but you yeah know. Um, not for a while at least no. so yeah so yeah um, so that was another place that we spent a uh, fair a uh, little well, a fair amount of time in. And then, you know, we just generally um, walked around and had a look. Uh, Yamaha had a bit of a big presence there as well. Com- a mixture of, in fact, uh, yeah, a combination of, they had their acoustic guitars, then they also had their electrics, and mm. they had some they had some really nice uh, bass guitars there as well, which I didn't actually get around to trying, but they, they had a fairly big presence as well, which was good to yeah, see. Yeah, I tried one of their electrics. Uh, like, <laughs> Yamaha, obviously, another sort of, they're one of the, the big companies, but not necessarily on the sort of like top tier of desirable but they're at a certain level of quality you can expect from them usually at a reasonable price um, and you know I, I tried one of their electrics and it was a nice design a sort of definitely in the vein of the classic designs but not quite yeah um, was it a reference did they call it Something yeah like yeah yeah um, <laughs> and that was you know nice enough uh, it was a guitar um, <laughs> yeah um, and I mean, they they had um, a couple of nice looking um, five and six string bases as well, um, which were cool. And uh, also, we mentioned uh, PV were there. So Wait, like, while we're talking about Yamaha, I should also yeah. mention that we uh, they had uh, an acoustic stand as yeah. well. And I did try a bit on that, and really, just no. <laughs> like the a good acoustic has got just that sort of richness of, of the strings and the wood. And there was something just a bit choked. I mean, obviously, I didn't try everyone. I'm sure, sure. Uh, you know, Yamaha have got a big range. I'm not saying every guitar acoustic they make is, is shit, but the, I tried like a normal size one and one dinky one, and I, you know, it just just the, yeah, there was something just sort of like choked off from the sound that it wasn't sort of like able to fully be itself. However, they sort of like coated the the woods, and and that was actually the thing that I saw a lot of the guitars. Like there were more electric guitars that looked woody yeah. than the acoustic guitars. All of the acoustic guitars had that plastic sheen on them. 
Yeah, they do. They have that kind of vin- like shiny veneer on them. Yeah. Uh, and they don't sh- generally show the like wood grain. You know, they yeah, cut and I, I just, yeah, and it just sort of, I don't know whether that was what was affecting the, the tone, but when you have that sort of, it looks plastic and it sounds plastic, it's sort of like, nah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck you, Yamaha. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, um, and we mentioned that uh, PV were there. Um, I did try out the um, Trace Elliott L. Yeah. Um, and in case you don't know, um, Trace Elliott were bought out by PV a while back. And then basically Trace Elliott kind of went, faded off the map. They hadn't released anything in years. You could buy like their old amps through like e- e- eBay and maybe like guitar shops. And I used to have pawn uh, shops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and they weren't releasing anything, um, so clearly PV got their hands on them and decided to kind of go through the whole product line and re redo it and look at what they could do. And um, it's, it, I mean, the Elf's not a new amp. It, it was released a while back. I think it was it was either last year or back end of 2016. And the Elf is this kind of small, uh, fairly small head um, that can basically fit your back pocket. It's that small. For, for readers, uh, sorry, listeners who who can't see what Vish is doing, he was doing a hand gesture about that f- that big, that, about yeah, that big, yeah, about about, about that, that big, big. about yeah. that big. Just just imagine yeah. yay big. Um, and like they've got a reassuring like heft to them. Yes, they, I mean they're not heavy, they but they they don't they don't feel flimsy. No, you know they they feel like they've got like good components inside them. Um, and I tried it through one of the small Trace Elliott cabs, tiny which, cabs. Yeah, it, and. It's kind Is it of, like a one by ten. Yeah, and it, it's 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 kind of interesting because um, Trace have kind of gone since PV got their hands on them. They've gone the other way. Uh, Trace Elliott amps were known for being really really big and really bulky, you know, because back in the eighties and nineties, bass guitars need, uh, sorry bass amps needed to be really big because of the big speaker, mm. all the components in it. So the bigger the better. And uh, my Trace Elliott seven one five X, which I I had up until. Um, earlier this year was an absolute backbreaker to carry yeah, yeah, and that was a, wasn't even their biggest amp yeah no I mean it was like <laughs> the half the size of the biggest one wasn't it but yeah. it, was, it had you know 7 band EQ 15 inch speakers yeah. um, you needed to, to you know yeah. make sure you'd eaten your ready break before <laughs> you tried to pick it up um, um, exactly and it, it, th- th- and over the years obviously as things have gotten smaller and more compact and trying to make it easier on people playing live and people being able to move their like rigs around it's just become impractical so pv with uh tracy have now gone the other way so they've got the elf which is their main which is at the moment the only head that Mm. they've got and they've got a range of like uh smaller cabs which you can fit up to them uh one by ten i think they've got a couple of two by twelves and a a few others as well yeah the only ones they had at the guitar show were were quite small they had a a one by ten and a two by ten i think yeah um, and um, you know, I, I tried it out, and it's got that obviously, it's got that same Trace Elliott tone, that unmistakable kind of warm tone, and you know, it sounded reassuringly like fat tone, mm. um, and it was it was like a tone that I'm really really familiar with. So that that was it was yeah. really good. Yeah, I mean, you've had hear. that amp for years, so it, like yeah. when you plugged into this this like dinky thing, which is a fraction of the size, mm. and it's getting like it doesn't have the, all the same features that your old amp no. had, but it, it definitely was part of the same sort of tone family which was pretty impressive um, yeah I, I, I was I was really really impressed and before I bought the um, my EBS Readmar head um, you know I was looking at the Elf I was actually looking at it and I was phoning up shops and trying to see who actually had it in stock so I could go and try it 
um, you know, but then I decided to move away from that and I wanted to go slightly different tone-wise and, and change it up and not just, you know, I felt yeah. like that's what I need. So, but to play it and try it, 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 it does sound great. And it's, it's about 250 pounds, so it's not the world's most expensive head. And for that price... And about the same price for the cab as well. Yeah. Uh, and for, so, like, for about, say, I'd say just under 500 pounds, you can get yourself a very, very decent rig, which you can easily use at home. And easy using the yeah, practice. Yeah, it's, it's worth putting out um, the caveat that we weren't able to really uh, crank it. No. Because um, at, at the guitar show, there was the volume police. Oh, yes. So we, like, we haven't, we haven't volume this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I assume for like health and safety laws for people's eardrums, the first 15 minutes of the hour were sort of time for rocking out. And that was the, like the, the window where you could crank up. But for the other 45 minutes of the hour... There was a, a woman, well, probably more than one, but there, there was just, there was one woman who like came to us a couple of times <laughs> um, with her decibel meter going. Can you turn it down a bit? No, a bit more. Trying to make sure. Uh, that no, a bit more. I can still hear. It. All right, I'll allow you this because that's probably some of that noise is coming from somewhere else. But I'll be back. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and they were basically trying to keep the ambient kind of overall sound, uh, ambient uh, volume level off the room to uh, obviously um, whatever it is, a certain uh, amount of decibels. Um, so and you had this kind of funny thing and you 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 didn't need to look at your watch when it was like hit hit the hour <laughs> yes because <laughs> e- literally every hour we were there you knew it had got to like you know the hour so you knew it had got to one o'clock or two o'clock well, no it was only like one or two minutes past the hour yeah it wasn't like bang on no, the no, hour no. but like one or two minutes after the volume would just ramp and, up and it really ramped up too because whereas for the uh, for the remaining 45 minutes you could kind of you could talk at yeah, this yeah. volume that we're talking now, but when when it got to that first fifteen minutes in the hour, the the volume level really went up, and you you got you could you could hear like you you're having to like just sh- shout a little bit to just, the person yeah, next to you or really yeah, yeah. talk into their ears. So that I, I've never seen that happen before, but clearly um, nowadays with like health and safety and stuff, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're trying to be a lot more careful because it's the first time I've ever seen it at a guitar convention. I think the other thing is as well is. Um, uh, Olympia is quite small. You know, it's not like a mass... It's not like what Earl's Court was, uh, you know, where it's like a really massive convention centre. It's not like where NAM is hosted in uh, LA. You know, again, massive, massive yeah, convention yeah, yeah. centre. So even though there's a lot of sound going on, a lot of it dissipates because there's a lot of space between the, st- between the stands. Because this was uh, a lot of stands in a lot of small space, you know, and, and quite crammed in. It just meant that the volume was building up more and more and there wasn't too many places for it to go so I can I kind of see why they did it but it was kind of hilarious when they came up to us a couple of times and like oh can you turn that down and I was like the first time they did it I was like what <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah um so so yeah that's that's an interesting thing that I've never experienced before at like a convention so yeah um so yeah that was that was uh, that was Trace Elliott and then mm. I'm trying to think um apart from Apart from that, well, you know, uh, then we did actually, for the, I know this is probably the first time I've ever done this, I can actually go and sit in on a kind of masterclass thing. Yeah, no, so, like, there's always, like, several rooms where you've got, like, uh, panels or tutorials or something, and, like... At all conventions. Yeah, every, it, like, like, whatever it is. Gaming, music, you know, even... Cakes. the Yeah, cake, food. Uh, I've never... Uh, I've been to, like, plenty of conventions in my life, you know, be it gaming even like food stuff and whatnot and you know and plenty of guitar and I never normally go in also a lot of them you normally need a ticket can't yeah, be bothered yeah, to yeah. spend the extra money and there's usually massive queues so um, you know 
but we focus right had their like master class area in one of the rooms there uh, one of the smaller rooms and um, that was free to go in so we had a look at the little kind of like map program thing and found that uh, Pete Cottrell was doing his thing for about half an hour about two o'clock in the afternoon um, and in case you don't know who Pete Cottrell is just quickly he's uh, one of the one of the band of like um, YouTube guitarists who's you know um, he's been around for a while he's got he's got a fairly big fan base he's probably not got like the biggest channel compared to your like Rob Scallons Jared Dines and Frog Leap Studios but he's still he's still got a few hundred uh, like 250 300,000 subscribers so he's he's still on the rise um and he's he's been around for a while and he's you know a fairly big youtuber and he's based here in the uk as well so it was kind of uh he came out and did his thing so he started off you know um by uh riffing out and playing playing a song mm -hmm. uh and then it was kind of like a q a kind of session you know and people were able to ask him questions and the host asked him it was kind of interesting to hear what he had to say and also just to see uh, one of these YouTubers who I watch. I don't watch him as much as some of the others, but again, just to you know, see him in real life. And there were some interesting questions there and interesting insights that you might not necessarily get usually from a YouTuber who does, who does the whole making YouTube videos and playing guitar yeah. and having it, filming it himself and doing it as a, you know, uh, his livelihood. Yeah, and it's always nice to have a sit down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, you know, it was it was interesting to hear his insight into how like the monetization works and yeah, yeah, yeah. the streams that he makes his money from. Because uh, from me personally, if if I when I've been watching you know these YouTubers and all of them, I've always thought they've made most of their revenue from AdSense. You know, where the ads play on the videos, and the more people watch their videos, the more money they make. But he said that's not necessarily true. So you know, a lot of, like he does a lot of these videos where he plays one riff in the style of like 20 different bands and that's usually the, the videos that get his get him a hundred thousand views or two hundred thousand views but he said those aren't the ones that necessarily make him the most money the the, the the ones that actually where i guess he makes a decent kind of wage from or uh, gets a decent amount of money is when he does the um <clears throat> yeah well he, he talked about the sort of um the the rely not necessarily the most money but the more reliable stream of income yeah. is the gear reviews yeah um and so like the um, the companies pay him for his time to review the gear. Well, he he said he doesn't actually do gear reviews because he doesn't like to review. He just does gear demos. Yeah. So he won't come out. Uh, he'll he'll play whatever it is. So you know, let's say, um, uh, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, someone was to, like, let's say, Electro Harmonics, for example, just pulling a name out at the top of my head, were to send him a pedal, and you know, um, and he will then go ahead and actually do a demo of it he yeah. won't actually do a review he doesn't like to do reviews so he won't give you at the end a pros and cons list or a rating out of 10 he'll just try it out and do what he feels fit for that yeah, video yeah. for that product um so yeah it was interesting and he said like you know he'll speak to the company beforehand they'll agree a fee or whatever you know he has his rates and stuff so i, I was really interested about it yeah because so, and, and, he was saying yeah that was the sort of more reliable one and some of the videos uh which <coughs> which do get more views a lot of the ad revenue is eaten up because a lot of videos that get the most views are based on other people's stuff. Yep. So he gave the example of uh, Metallica on one string, obviously because that's using Metallica's song, um, then the the record label that sort of has the the rights to <laughs> the advertising revenue for Metallica steps in and claims all that. So yep. it's yeah, there was a really interesting one in the, the way that 
to be on YouTube nowadays, it's to have multiple revenue streams. Yeah. I go and do my job and I get one paycheck at the end of the month. Yeah. Whereas it, they have to do, yeah, the AdSense and the, the promoted stuff and sort of Patreon and, you know, whatever. And merchandise and as merchandising. well. Merch- merchandising as well, which is, which is quite big. And yeah, you know, a lot of people were asking him some, some good questions, like, you know, uh, people ask him how his channel's grown. And he said, one of the ways his channel has has had big spurts of growth is, you know, when he's done collaborations. Yeah. So, you know, one of the ones was when he collaborated with um, Leo from Frog Leap Studios, uh, and he was featured in the video for um, Leo's cover off um, Hello by Adele, yeah, uh, yeah. which has got like over... Uh, I know he said it's got over 40 million views. It's actually got like nearly 50 million <laughs> when I last checked. Uh, and he's he's kind of in the video, um, doing uh, you know, um, doing a few things and then plays a little solo as well. But because so many people saw him in the video, then he's, you know, a lot of Leo's fans have then gone over and, and checked his channel out as well. So it was, it was really cool to, to see how, how he, you know, his point of view. Because, you know, when I've watched YouTubers and stuff, I've always wondered how about they go about this how did they get into it and stuff so it was kind of cool that you know people were asking these questions and you know he was quite frank and open and giving these these answers so i found it quite interesting yeah. you know um and it was good to see him riff out he's he's, he's a he's a good guitarist you know um i play some cool riffs so yeah that I, that, that was actually quite enjoyable and it was it was quite a cool way to spend half an hour you know um i thought it was pretty decent yeah no it was good um, i think that's the sort of main stuff we yeah. saw isn't it yeah uh, oh the other sort of like notable little thing that was nice um, is I uh, I've, meant, I've definitely mentioned before my Walrus Audio Iron Horse mm. uh, which is my distortion pedal which I love which I, what I may not mentioned is that I love it enough that I um, I, I bought the t-shirt um, and yeah, literally <laughs> he's sitting Mark's sitting in front of me with his Iron Horse t-shirt which is the pedal he's got from walrus audio a while back yeah so yeah i mean I, i'm going to the guitar show i thought right where my like most guitar geek t-shirt and unfortunately walrus audio were there um and yeah i, I think they're great so I, I you know sat down to have a little bit of a noodle um sort of try some of the the bits that i haven't had a chance to try I and mean, i've tried various bits in the shops from time to time but you know it's it's always nice to sort of hear um, different pedals from a, a manufacturer that you know you like um, and uh, obviously the I, I sort of went up you know already a fan pointing to my t-shirt <laughs> and the, the guy was quite pleased and when I when I left he um, you got given passed me over some swag uh, yeah some swag I got a little little tin of plectrums and also doubles as a shaker yeah um, that probably sounded horrible uh, to the microphone but never mind it, it's lovely it's a little tin of uh, plectrums which I might actually uh, put some belt corn and stick in my pedal board so that I've got them there. Yeah, that that, um, that, that was pretty cool. So yeah, and that, the, some nice at Walter the Plectrums. So lovely. So yeah, you got a cool bit of swag there. So yeah, that that, that was brand cool. loyalty works. Uh, exactly. There you go. You know. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I think overall it was, um, you know, it was a good guitar show. I mean, we've come in on the Saturday. There's still another yeah. day to go, so there'll be plenty of people going. Coming. Um, incidentally, I did. Um, just as we came out of there, I did see Misha Mansour. Um, I think he was going off to get some lunch somewhere. So that's my <laughs> yeah. claim to the famous person I've seen. And, you know, I do like him as a as a guitarist in Periphery and whatnot. So, so yeah, that, that was cool. He just walked right past me. I could have, like, stopped him and harangued him for a selfie or something. But 
I don't generally like doing that to people. Uh, I've never been no, that. No, when he's person. when he's giving up a session to meet people properly later. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. the man get some lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, um, you know, and it was it's one of those where you could literally just come in and spend. Um, it's you know, if you were just to walk around it, you could walk around it in like 10, 15, 20 minutes tops. But the cool thing was, and where we spent our time was, you know, there was there were plenty of. Um, little stalls and stuff that we were able to sit down try some bass guitars guitars yeah. pedals on and it was it was a lot of fun and I think know. especially with the like independent um, manufacturers it's not a business that you get into unless you really give a damn yep yeah uh, you know there are there are easier ways of making money than convincing people to buy really expensive um, guitars when they could be buying like a Gibson to buy this brand that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. Um, or maybe they won't be able to buy a Gibson for much longer. But that's not the point. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, these are all people who love their, the stuff they're making and, you know, love other people's stuff. So it was just sort of nice to just sort of, like, go around, try some of this stuff out, get some of the, the insight from, like, what they were thinking when they, like, designed these things. Yeah, um, and it's it's been a few years since we last went to a kind of guitar show convention thing. Uh, the last one we finally went to, funny enough, we went to was actually at Olympia again. I don't know whether it was branded as the UK guitar show. I think it might have been back then the London guitar show or something. Yeah. It was myself, you, and George, and, and yeah, that, yeah. that was again quite a small, intimate affair, and it was it was really really quite cool. And um, I remember I bought quite a little bit of like stuff like Petrums and stuff. But yeah, um, you know, this was really cool. You know, and you meet some like you get to see some brands that you just. You know, I mean, I follow a lot of like guitar stuff on Instagram and a lot of music-based stuff. You know, across all my social media. But there's, there are so many independent kind of you know uh, companies that you just, unless you know you you might know the person personally, or unless you suddenly come across an advert or something, you just you know you don't you don't necessarily know. So it was, it was cool to come across a few, and some of them I'll give a follow and kind of keep an eye on, on what they're doing. Um, yeah, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it and. Um, I think they've started doing three of these shows a year. So usually at the start of the year, they do a, a London-based or a UK-based guitar show, which twice when the dates come, I've had something <laughs> on and I've missed it and I've been gutted. So I'm hoping that in March 2019, when it comes around again, I've not got something planned at the end of March and miss it. So I want to go to that. And I think in November this year, they've got the London drum show as well for people who like to hit things really loud, you know, because that's what drummers do. So, yeah, the, you know, the London... The UK toy bass show, as I call it, it was really good. It was good to go there. It was a nice vibe. There it was no, it was, a, it was a really nice vibe. Um, people of all ages, you know, yeah. You got yeah. your classic rockers. You got your kids who are like, you know, really enthusiastic, and you know, and, you can see the fire. And in disgustingly their, talented. Yeah, and you bastard can bastard ten year old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can see like the fire in their eyes, and this is what they love doing. This is what they're going to love doing for years, hopefully, unless you know they get sidetracked by women and drink or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. Yeah, no, really good. I think, like, let's, let's wrap up with, um, like, one thing from the show that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot barge pole and one thing from the show that you would very much like like to own now, please. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll go with what I would like to own. Um, I think it's the uh, SBC bass guitar. Um, uh, in terms of what was there, um, if, because it... There were more guitars than basses. Uh, I did see a couple of Yamahas, which looked really nice, but I didn't mm-hmm. actually try them. So I'm not going to say that, oh, yeah, those, but because I tried out the SBC and it was quite cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, really liked that. It was um, 
you know, I love the shape of it, love the whole wood finish, and it just looked so cool, so different. Um, I would definitely get one of those. Yeah. Um, you know, if I didn't have a dimple. Uh, and what I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot barge pole. Ugh. I don't know. There, there wasn't anything that really stood out for me that was like, ah. But I guess if I had to, and it's not even aimed at me anyway, but I tried right. it. But I tried it out anyway. Was the Jackson Minion base, which is basically this like three-quarter length base. So clearly, it's not aimed at me, but it's aimed at like hopefully kids who are like getting their first bass guitar. So you know, when mum and dad go and get them their first bass guitar, they get them this three-quarter scale length bass. The only problem is, and I don't have, I have small hands for a bassist, you know. But it was so small and dinky in my hands that I'm able to stretch nearly six frets, which I can never do on like any normal bass guitar. And so the hand placement all felt a bit weird and off. Yeah. It had a nice cool purple finish, but yeah, no, I, yeah. I wouldn't touch that. But caveat on that, I would maybe, if, 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 some, if some kid was interested in bass, like, you know, I have at least one nephew who was, I would definitely potentially kind of buy it for them. So yeah, so what about for you? Well, um, it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, the the one I wouldn't touch with a, a temper barge pole is the uh, the Jackson minion bass. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I, yeah, no, I would say like the Jackson the finishes were great, um, uh, but yeah, the, that that bass like it, it was the same scale length as a six string guitar. So like you, you pick it up, and I was just like wanting to like play guitar chords, but like there's strings missing and it's just, <laughs> it's really unnerving and it, I didn't like it. And it wasn't like it was like some like super high quality bit of gear that I would want to spend my time getting into. Um, I mean, I should probably like, seeing as you've already said that, I should probably uh, like point out some of those. Yeah, just like the acoustic guitars are a bit of a letdown in general. They were, um, they were. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy any um, of those for you. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the one that I, really like uh, yeah no, actually I, I'm kind of going to go for the SBC as well uh, although actually the game changer sustain was like I think yeah you've got almost two you've got the attainable one yeah. which is the game changer pedal and then you've got like the one that's basically a pipe dream as a yeah, dog goes yeah. crazy in the background <laughs> which is obviously the SBC um, you know which yeah which was which was really really nice as well so yeah yeah I <laughs> but I think yeah overall great show um, yeah. be good to potentially come back next year um, you know and it's, it's good to see like lots of people coming to it because you know you always hear people oh guitar's dead well it's not you know no, no there's, there's more popularity than ever there's more brands popping up than ever you know um, and th- it was it was just I, it was overall a good way to spend a Saturday you know yeah. a very very cool way so yeah. yeah so I think that's pretty much it isn't it in this outdoor edition which you can hear all kinds of ambient noise so you will have, might be hearing dogs barking in the background and people talking as they walk past um but yeah you know this is we wanted to get out and discuss the guitar show immediately while it was fresh in our heads and not kind of you know um leave it to stew too much and maybe then forget about what we've seen so so yeah i i, I think it was really good uh hopefully come back next year and i'm definitely going to try and hit up the london Bay show in march 2019 if i can so, I think, yeah, that's my overall thoughts. Anything yeah, no, else, I, I, I concur. Yeah. So, I guess for this episode of the Audio Rambling Podcast from outside, <laughs> it's pretty much bye from me. And, and it's bye from me. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.